Welcome to episode 170 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Karen Dexter. And we're back this week, not only with more Justice League, but with more Injustice Gang, uh, this time teaming up with an Amazon. But before we get to that, we're going to do our, our usual news here. And oh man, two of your favorite subjects came into God. the into the fray this week, Chris. God, God damn it. So we, you know, for, for the listeners, camera, I always kind of like run through a list of things to talk about news beforehand. And I didn't have this on my list, but you, you insisted we talk about it. How did it. you not? This was the news of the week, Chris. Because I don't care. I genuinely don't care. I, I even had like the, the other assistants from my former job, like we all have a text thread together and they were all going on and on about this. And I just ignored all of them because I really don't give a shit about this. Uh, but Cameron, t- take it away. What was the biggest news that happened this week that no one actually cares about? Quibi, that platform that everyone had and everyone <laughs> loved and adored and got first day, paid for, didn't use the 90-day subscription, <laughs> is dead. It's, it's this dead. $2 billion, almost fan-funded from the sounds of it, program. How is it fan-funded? Well, they, they tried to do like a fan-funding to keep it alive, and it did not work. I'm this sorry. $2 billion no. platform, I know. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry, no. There's no way in hell that I'm going to like give money to Jeffrey Katzenberg and Med Whitman to keep alive a streaming service no one asked oh, for. Oh, God, like, no, never. God damn it. What, what, wait, where did the fan thing come from? Was like, was that a like a, uh, like a grassroots movement to keep it alive, or is that something Clippy's like, hey, we could use your help. Please give us money. Probably more, probably more grassroots. I don't, okay. I don't see Katzenberg ever lowering himself to asking someone for money. Uh, I well, I don't know. I could also see him doing it because you know, I, I if I've learned anything from watching Ducktales and you know spending some time with the great Scrooge McDuck is that you know you don't become a billionaire by spending money. So right, <laughs> it wouldn't put a past. I know one of my one of my coworkers explained it perfectly. Of you know, this is not going to affect either of them at all. But we can expect no. in maybe three to four months, Katzenberg's going to have his own master class. On how to lose $2 billion in less than six months. <laughs> lose $2 billion of other people's money. Uh, it's fine. Don't worry. If you're a billionaire, you can just continue to fail up. Yes. So, so Quibi is dead. Uh, I, I didn't realize this about Quibi. So obviously this was like a mobile first kind of program. I didn't realize it was only available on mobile apps, though. So you can only get it on yeah. your phone or iPad. Um, yeah, and it wasn't until last week, <laughs> literally seven days ago, the Quibi, Quibi finally was like, "Okay, I guess we should maybe launch this also on Apple TV and Roku and other streaming platforms." Which you know that that's a good time when you're six months deep into your platform of like, I guess now is the time we will open it to everybody. Yeah. I, I just love the the pandering and condescension inherent in the concept of, hey, you know what millennials and Gen Z love is to watch TV on their phones. And to like, they don't have, you know, patience to watch anything longer than 10 minutes. So let's give them like 10 minute little quick bites. They can only watch on their phone and they can, you know, watch it while they're riding public transportation to their jobs they hit every single day. And I love that that's the platform they launched and then a global pandemic hits and all of a sudden now no one's commuting to and from work. Everyone's at home and just watching shit on their TV all the time. Yeah. But do you ever watch anything on your phone? 
No. No. I hate I, it. I, I can't stand I, it. I actively avoid watching shit on my phone. Like, the, the most that I'll watch on my phone is if, like, someone sends me a TikTok via Instagram because I don't have TikTok. And then, like, I'll sit and watch it. So, but, me, when I send you a TikTok. Yes, exactly. When you send me TikToks. Um, yeah, like, that's the grand extent of it. Otherwise, like, even when I'm on Reddit, I'm on Reddit on my computer and not on my phone. Same. Like, I, I, I won't watch movie trailers. Like, I don't watch anything on my phone because fucking why would I? Like, why would I watch it on my tiny-ass little phone when I have, like, a 13-inch laptop or, better yet, like, a 50-some-odd-inch TV? Why? Right. Yeah. Fucking why? Yes. But but with that with that note, I just want to put a plea out to HBO and AT&T and Warner Brother of if you guys can stop your fucking fight, whatever you're having with Apple and with Roku, because I didn't... I, I checked... The other day, HBO Max is still not available on Roku devices. Still? Seriously? Still. Because AT&T oh. is, is too much of, you know, having this big dick contest with the world. Yeah. And it's like, no one, no one fucking cares about you, AT&T. No one is going <laughs> to compare you to Apple or Amazon. Like, we understand you're just as corrupt and evil, but, you know, you got your, you know, your CEO needs a couple billion more dollars before you can start to compete. Yeah. I yeah I I have no patience or any of that sort of shit. Like, I, you know, I use an Apple TV for better or more often than not worse these days, um, and it has HBO Max. I'm like, okay, it's it's fine, but yeah, yeah, I would be super pissed if I you know wanted to watch that sort of stuff and I had a Roku. Yeah, it's it's so because fr- the Peacock's up there already, the one that no yeah. one ever talks about or remembers. No, it's like how are you losing to to the free one? You're the most <laughs> expensive service available right now. Oh, and you, you God, are still limiting yourself. I know. Anywho, Quibi's dead. Society's crumbling. I mean, are they connected? Who knows? <laughs> I'm going to say yes. Is the, the demise of Quibi the final nail in the coffin of humanity? Um, you know, we're going to find out. Honestly, I could go for a nice post-apocalyptic scenario. Actually, no, no, I just go for a full-on apocalyptic scenario at this yeah, point. I wouldn't survive a day. Like, I'm not built for the apocalypse. I, I'm talking about, like, take everyone out at this point. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, just, just, just wipe everything. Man, that would have been a great segue if we didn't have other news to talk about. <laughs> Honestly, we will be talking about apocalypses later, coincidentally. Uh, yes. But yeah, we do have some other news uh, and more important news than the the inevitable death of Quibi. Um, we got our first trailer for uh, Raya and the Last Dragon this week. Yes, Raya. Uh, Raya looks absolutely fantastic. I know I, I had to spell it differently in my doc just to remind myself to pronounce it right. So it's Raya. Raya and the Last Dragon. Yes. Okay, Raya the Last Dragon. It looks amazing. Yes. Um, so it's directed it they changed directors recently to be the the two guys that directed big hero six and i think oh, that right. very much shines through in this trailer mm-hmm. uh but then to compare it i also rewatched the original big hero six trailer it's not a good trailer is it not i don't even remember the no trailer. it is it, it is showing it as a like full-on comedy oh that's that's not yeah. what that is no, it, it. I was really off put by the original trailer. Is there a lot of T.J. Miller in that first trailer? 
There is no TJ Miller. It, it oh, doesn't show the friend group at all. It's it's just Hero and Baymax. Oh, okay. Oh, they they try to position it as like a buddy comedy sort of thing. Yeah, which I guess it it, it kind of is buddy Ish. comedy with friends. Yeah, exactly. But it's so much more than that. I love Big Hero Six. Um, it, oh my it's gosh. one of my favorites. I, it's one of the best ones in the past ten years. Yeah, and and yeah, I'd agree with you. This looks um. This looks on par with that. Like the animation is absolutely beautiful. Um, so excited that uh, Kelly Marie Tran is doing the voice because Disney fucking owes her. Yep. Um, and like, let's also not just ignore the fact that she is you know incredibly talented in her own right. So please, giving her more work. Um, but yeah, like I'm super excited about this. It looks really fun. Yeah, it looks like this this unique middle ground between Moana and Big Hero Six. Yeah. which is great but also funny enough like if it positionally that's also where this movie fits because this is like central asia oh yeah actually that makes sense yeah mm-hmm. it's right there now i'm trying to remember what did they show when you went to d23 like wh- how much oh did, you did i tell see? you i went to d23 yes you've mentioned when, before when did you've I, gone to d23 we, we did a whole fucking episode on it which I have forgotten. Like, did they show any footage during that? They did, yes. Uh, so okay. at, at D23, they introduced the dragon, who's voiced by um, Aquafina. <gasps> yeah, it's, 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 it's fun. <laughs> so, like, it, was the trailer more on top of what you've already seen then? Was it a lot of it new for you? Or was no, it... this was all new footage. We, it, oh, okay, cool. What they showed at D23, which honestly at this point could be completely changed because the movie has gone through such huge rewrites and director changes since then. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, But no, what they showed was just like a two minute clip uh, of her meeting the dragon. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so we didn't get any action. It was it was very kind of just dialogue heavy. Kind oh, of okay. limited animation yeah. stuff. Okay, yeah, because, like, yeah, this shows a little bit of action, and there's this adorable little, like, roly-poly armadillo thing happening that looks super cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I'm I'm very excited for this, and this is one that I hope um, they do maintain, they keep a theatrical release on um, for, for a number of reasons. I, I just, this is a movie that I would want to see do well for for a lot of reasons so yeah and so it, it's what may or march or may is where it's set right now honestly i've stopped paying attention to when things are supposed to land because i don't think anything is going to keep so that that's that's very fair mm-hmm. uh yeah but so we got the the uh the raya trailer raya damn it <laughs> i will never get this right just whenever you, whenever you type it just put, put an i instead of an a the Rhea trailer <laughs> yes raya <laughs> Uh, but more importantly, I would say this week, we got our first full trailer for the new Animaniacs series that's coming to Hulu. And oh my good God, does it look amazing. Yeah. So so the first announcement came at New York Digital New York Comic Con. Yes. And, then, and I sent you the, the teaser, which was them remaking Jurassic Park yeah with the, the animaniacs the, yeah the scene in jurassic park where uh sattler and grant first see the dinosaurs but redone in animation with the uh the animaniacs and it's so good and yeah so that was our first tease and now this is like the full trailer that actually plays like a you know shows a bunch of scenes and it it looks 
so tonally on point with what the original show used to be. Yes. I, like, I'm so excited for this show. It looks amazing. Uh, uh, and and I, I had the concern before, and I, I might have brought it up on air, of like Animaniacs back then was so topical because the news cycle wasn't the speed it was today yeah and i was i was worried that because we go through news so fast it wouldn't have that same like topical bug but from the trailer it looks like they're still like it's still on point exactly what it should be and what we expect it to be oh yeah yeah it's still like you know heavily embedded with a bunch of pop culture jokes and like references my favorite joke in the whole thing is when uh pinky's complaining about how hard it is to online date he doesn't know if he's getting catfish or not and he turns his phone over it's a picture of an actual catfish yes (laughs) just like that is the sort of just like stupid sight gag that i am here for yes I I still I haven't been able to figure out exactly what I want yet, but I still have been trying to figure out what musical numbers I want Wacko oh, no Yakko to do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh I mean, I'm sure we'll get at least one. Um oh god. Yes. It's it's going to be so good. Like so we we know at this point that uh obviously the the Animaniacs, Yakko, Wacko and Dot will all be returning. We know that Pinky and the Brain will be returning. Um, we didn't get confirmation on any of the other sections, any of the other like uh, segments from the original show, whether those are coming back or not. I imagine they're probably holding on to a few surprises for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, even with just those five characters coming back, like that's enough to, I think, make anyone who loves those original series super excited. Yeah. And, and I'm also curious, the old series was you know, for kids, but the jokes were written well enough. It was enjoyed by adults as well. Oh, yeah. I'm curious if they're going to keep that tone or if they're going to know that their fan base is now much older. Oh, and if I they're gonna see. Kinda, if they're going to kind of, you know, mature the comedy a little bit to be more for the, like, old teens, early 20s yeah. kind of humor. That That is actually a very good point because... You know, the, the Animaniacs was around at a very, like, specific and unique time in animation where, like, they were... That was kind of one of the first shows that was hitting both demographics really solidly. Like, it was the era when you, like, shows were actively trying to do that. I mean, I think BTOS is another great example there. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, like, something like Ren and Stimpy was skewed a little bit more adult. But, you know, there, like, tons of stuff in Nickelodeon had a lot of, like, inappropriate stuff in there. That, like, they could kind of get away with them because people weren't paying as close of attention or just, like, the... Um, the you know, the, the PC police weren't fucking just ruining everything that we enjoy back then, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so, But now, like, you know, now I think you can still get that sort of, like, adult humor in there. I mean, I think DuckTales, which we keep going on and on about, like, is good about throwing some of that stuff in there. And it's not necessarily that the the jokes they're throwing in are are crass or inappropriate. Um, it's more that they are, yeah, just, like, a little bit more cerebral than maybe the kids would get or, or aimed at a, a, a slightly more adult but not necessarily risque thing. But, yeah, that's a good point. Like, I wonder if, because it's going up on Hulu... Um, and Mm -hmm. yeah, that it's, you know, squarely being marketed towards, you know, like our age group. If yeah, they're going to just be like, okay, fine. We don't have to worry about trying to make this slightly more kid appropriate. And maybe that'll let them keep their, um, you know, 
the the moments of inappropriate humor that the original series was known for. Ooh. Yeah. I hope so, at least. I mean, I don't know. I just want it to be good at the end of the day. Like, I just want it to be good. I want it to feel like the original show. I, I'm actively avoiding going back and rewatching the original so I don't have that, like, too fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. So I can just appreciate this new one for what it is. That's fair. Um, yeah. Yeah. But in, in, the, in the trailer, it also, I think it roughly set up what the story is going to be. At least my interpretation of it is going to be, like, they've been... They've been in the water tower since 1992. Because mm, yeah, there's that joke like. where, where Yakko's like, oh, all the information's on this tablet. You know, like one <laughs> easy to swallow tablet. <laughs> he just swallows an iPad. Yeah. And so from that, I, I'm going to oh. guess that the first episode is going to be them like readjusting to society yeah. 30 years later. Oh, God. I, I cannot wait. Oh, it's gonna be so much fun. Mm-hmm. I know, and that's uh, mid-November, so just just a couple oh, weeks away, just just around the corner. Oh my god, it's gonna be fantastic. Um, yeah. All right, and then our, our last little bit of news here. <laughs> yeah, speaking of apocalyptic news. <laughs> yeah, speaking of things that I don't give a shit about. Apparently, Jared Leto, who cares, and yep. Joe Manganiello. Well, already one point you love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm happy. That Joe Manganiello is coming back for reshoots on Justice League because one, I just adore him as a person. Um, Because not only is he just like a super hunky, sexy wolf, but also like he's a big old nerd, and from everything I've heard, is like a total sweet guy. So one, I'm just glad that like he's getting anything to do, but especially his death stroke was something we never really got a chance to see. So. Totally excited they're bringing him back. Could not care less they're bringing Jared Leto back for Jess League reshoots. Uh, and also, I do have to give a shout out to James Drecker, who was just following up, like just listening to one of our other episodes. Um, and apparently, we, I recently said, I don't think they're bringing back Jared Leto. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he pointed that out. It's like, oh, Chris says that they're not bringing back Jared Leto. Q2 Curb Your Enthusiasm theme song. I'm like, yep, that's, uh, that's about right. <laughs> Uh, I should have known that anything could happen. I mean, do you care about this? Not at all, but I'm trying to think what's what's left that could surprise us about this. Uh, Like, I I don't I don't know. It it's it's four hours of content. Yeah. We're having Deathstroke and Joker and uh, what's his face? Uh, Who is the main villain in the original one? Steppenwolf. 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 Yeah. And Darkseid. And Darkseid. I don't know if they've confirmed Jesse Eisenberg yet or not. I honestly can't remember. Okay. Yeah. But like, so, you know, they got to surprise us with something on screen. Well, so here, here's the thing is at this point, nothing is surprising anymore because everything is surprising. Right. Right. When everyone's super, no one is. Yeah. It's like you, you kind of, yeah, it's, you kind of just figure at this point, like, well, there's so, they'll throw everything at this, right? It's like, you know, it was a big surprise when they announced that Ben Affleck was coming back for Flashpoint. But we're also like, but should we be surprised? Like, of course, because it's it's such a mess at this point now. Like, they're just embracing the swirling vortex of chaos that is their film universe. Yeah, and it's, I guess it's them. It's them like crawling on the floor, trying to pick up any editing scraps that were there. They're digging through the vacuum cleaner bag, trying to pull <laughs> out any scenes they can still find. Because obviously, you know, when they say the editing room floor, it's a physical place. It is, yeah. There's just, you know, pieces of celluloid scattered across the floor. 
Yeah. So just any, anything that's there, they just kind of like wave in the air, like Mr. Snyder, Mr. Snyder. Here's a picture of, of Jesse Eisenberg putting his his uh, his bald cap on. We can use this, right? Yes. Put it in. Put it in. I mean, that's, I guess that's the thing is they do have like four hours of content to fill, which I'm pretty sure is longer than his original cut was to begin with. So, look, I guess the, I don't care about Jared Leto's Joker. I don't need to see more of it. The, the one thing I will say is if this is them attempting to make this a fully closed off, conclusive piece of filmmaking, like if, because, you know, we've talked about this before that the original um, version of Justice League was going to be a two-parter and the stuff that was filmed was only the first part. If this is their way to then like make it so that it's not open-ended in any sort of way and it's finite, uh, that I think is worth the extra effort going into this. But if we get a fucking four hour Snyder cut that then (laughs) doesn't satisfactorily close off everything. And it just now starts feeling like hashtag release justice league Snyder cut to, I am going to lose it. I think they should, they should just hire the how it should have ended guys from YouTube to yeah. make like a super crass animated ending for them of part two. Perfect. Honestly, I'd prefer that at this point. Yeah. I prefer same. that to another three to four years of just like angry fanboy Twitter ranting and then another fucking four hour film. That's not even going to be good. Yeah. But, but Chris, here's the thing. The angry Twitter boy fanboys are always going to be there. I know, but let's give them. They're less- gonna find something else to piggyback on once this sto- once this chapter has closed. Look, they're always We're gonna, gonna be get there. Release the ugly Sonic cut. <laughs> they're always gonna be there, and I'm always gonna hate them. But we can also, you know, try and just reduce them by not giving kindling to the ongoing trash fire that they are. Release the butthole cut is still something Look, people should be talking about. I am all for release the butthole cut. I there's no way I'm gonna sit down and watch cats, even to make fun of it. But if there's a fucking butthole cut, I will watch that. All right. Well, now that we've taken care of a, a bunch of news that I didn't care about but talked way too much about, uh, we can finally get into our episodes this week. And so it is the uh, another Justice League two-parter. It is uh, Fury. And this one sees Aresia, a rogue Amazon, recruit the remainder of Lex Luthor's Injustice Gang to help her pull off a series of heists. Uh, During one of the heists, Superman tries to stop her, um, but she sets off a gas grenade that infects Superman with a mysterious illness. And soon, others start to fall sick as well. And we know this building up to the end of all men. Yes, which, you know... She's not fully wrong. Oh, she's not wrong at all. I no. So yeah, so the whole the whole idea here is that she is working to build a, you know, uh, uh it's not a virus, it's an allergen that only affects men and we'll we'll just scoot around the the scientific insanity that that would entail um cuz not only does it affect all men, but it also affects like uh men of alien species. It's a little bit weird and confusing, but when I was watching this, my, my my main thought was, this would be a good thing. I'm just gonna say this honestly. Yeah, yeah. Just like give them give them a couple years of just an all female society. Just just oh, like I, have it to themselves for a while. Oh, I I'd even be fine with a permanent sort of thing. And look, I I recognize that um, one as a man, but also as a man who dates other men, um, this would just make the world a better place. 
Yes. And I, I did see in like the uh, the trivia that you know, like whether Aresia was aware of it or not, like she would doom humanity to eventually go extinct within a few generations, and maybe she doesn't realize like you know, um, like women aren't immortal unless they are you know uh, from Themyscira. But also, like, I'm pretty sure scientists could find a way to, like, keep things going. Yeah. Well, with the, the uh, I, how much, how much sperm do we have saved up at the sperm bank? Like, they'll be fine for a generation at least. Yeah. And I think that that's long enough to figure out a way to keep moving forward. And again, yeah. like, I, you know, and th- this is me painting with very broad brushstrokes, but I also feel like, you know, a bunch of female scientists could figure this out because they're not dealing with the sort of just like absurd egotism that comes with like just men in general. Yeah. So, so it, it, on the mascara, the Amazons, they're still crafted from clay, right? No, that's, that's just wonder woman. That's just wonder woman. Um, okay. And so, and, and so there is, and this is something that we'll, I think, learn more about as we progress through the DCAU. And I'm sure others know way more about this than we do, as is often the case. But there's a little bit of ambiguity as to, um, like, what capabilities the Amazons have. And then also, in contrast to Wonder Woman. So, at, at least at this point in the DCAU, we haven't gotten her her full origin. That's going to be revealed, I believe, in an episode of um, Justice League Unlimited. Um, and without going into exactly what that origin is, it definitely implies that she is distinct amongst the Amazons. Right. Um, because as we see in this episode, like, uh, Aresia and Hippolyta both can't fly, which Wonder Woman can. It's a little unclear what of that is because of her own unique special abilities, what of that comes from the uh, the armor that she wears. Mm-hmm. Like, I always kind of assumed that her her silver bracelets were distinct to her, and that's how she could, like, deflect shots and stuff. But we do see at one point Aresia, when she's being trained by the Amazons, deflecting flaming arrows with similar golden bracelets. Um, so I, I think, as far as I can tell, in this continuity, um, the Amazons are immortal and are super strong. Um, and, you know, and just through, I think, probably a lot of training as well, you know, like near-perfect athletes. But I don't necessarily think they have a lot of superpowers beyond that yes yes uh with i know this is more in part two but i just just want to put this question out there now Mm -hmm. the reason they banished wonder woman was for leaving the island correct no 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 no. they they banished her because she brought men to the the island okay yes okay so she could have returned anytime yeah, so she could have returned any time, and she did. Like, you know, she... Because uh, so when we... In Paradise Lost, like, we see that it had been, I think, three months since she had left... I think three mm-hmm. months, whatever it was, since she left the island. And the reason she hadn't gone back was that she was embarrassed because she just, like, left That's in the middle of the night was. without okay. saying goodbye. She didn't say goodbye to her mom. She stole the uh, the armor and the, the golden lasso of truth. So she was just kind of embarrassed. So eventually she did go back because she could go back at any time. But it's only because of the events of that episode and her bringing the male members of the justice league back to the Island that she was banished. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. Cause, cause when they showed Hippolyta come out, I thought that like, that meant she also couldn't ever return. <laughs> she couldn't go back. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, what is, what is this bullshit of like, well, I'm queen, so I can do this. I know you're a princess, Yeah, but I make the rules. 
Yeah, it's uh, she makes a comment about how the Amazons, you know, never leave the island. Um, and I think it was Batman makes a comment. It's like, oh, really? Never? Like, clearly, I think that's more of like a, a generally accepted rule. They don't do it, but they technically can leave and come back. They just, in general, choose to avoid dealing with the outside world, which honestly, I don't blame them. What's the uh, what's the Amish thing where you have like two weeks oh, to go and party? Rumspringer? Yeah. Do you think there's an Amazon version of Rumspringer? I mean, I they just honestly, go to Europe and like have a coffee and just like enjoy, you know, the technology of modern society. I mean, I guess they technically could, but I feel like honestly, what would you be missing out on? Like, what would any of the rest of the world have to Express offer? Espresso machines, Chris. Look, as a non-coffee drinker, gelato. No, <laughs> I don't see any ice cream machines on there on that island. I'm sure the Amazons have found a way to like keep stuff cold and i'm sure they could cr- like figure out a way to make ice cream i haven't I, seen it <laughs> i really don't think french the fries world... there's not enough space on that island for a potato farm who who knows i mean okay i think i, I forget it i'm not gonna try and like remember <laughs> the i'm not gonna try and remember the history of the potato and where it came from no, Chris, I, I want you to go over the entire history of the potato, please. <laughs> we have time. No, we don't. I, I, I have other shit to do. Do you? I don't. I have time. I, I definitely do. Um, no, okay, fine. Like maybe, I look, I would love if, it's probably out there somewhere, there's probably a comic that like has the Amazons going off on some, like there's probably a comic from like the late 80s, early 90s where like a you know, like three Amazons go off into the the world on their version of a Rumspringer. And I'm sure it's just like terrible and probably like super misogynist and narrow minded and is a piece of garbage. Yeah. They, you know, they go to, let's just go to a discotheque. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, Themyscira is great, but we don't have Duran Duran. So we don't. what do yeah, we do with ourselves? We, we can't get Daft Punk over here. I know. <laughs> There's no Oingo Boingo. They should just go to Universal Studios. <laughs> no, they're, they're going to go to that weird, like, uh, like Warner Brothers Amusement Park that was only open in Australia for a few years. Like, that's what they're oh, going to go that, to. Oh, the Titanic ride. <laughs> I've talked but they to, even I've know talked what the Titanic about the Titanic is. You've talked about the Titanic ride, yeah. Okay, good. Okay. Yes. They, they, you're right. They wouldn't know what the Titanic is. But, I yeah, mean, it's, even... it's, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if one of the, like, Titanic goers ended up washing up on the mascara shores because it seems like at least one of every you know uh collapsed ship at least one survivor makes it to the mascara yeah well i mean yeah so that's that is like the whole point of the episode is that you know we we come to learn that aresia is not a born amazon uh, but she was a, a a refugee who washed ashore on um Themyscira and then was raised by the Amazons to be one of their own and then also imbued with the, the typical powers um, of an Amazon. But somehow while she is there um, in like her, her final rite of passage, like going through like isolated meditation, she gets a whole bunch of books from the outside world, including one on germ warfare. Um, so we all know where that is heading to. Um, yes. But I mean, so we, we kind She's of touched gonna on... She's going to cure the common cold. It'd be really useful if she did. But so we, we've kind of touched on like what her ultimate villainous scheme is here, which is basically to, to wipe out half of all men on the planet and, you know, acknowledge that honestly it'd be for the best. 
Um, but this episode also kind of like starts out an interesting way, right? So the the opening of it is um, Arisia leading the remainder of the Injustice gang um, on a on a heist to some bio lab, right? And of course, this once again highlights just what a total badass Batman is because he basically takes on the whole Injustice gang by himself. Mm-hmm. I also want to give a particular shout out to the animation in the sequence, um, especially this bit where Batman is fighting Grundy. Like the animation there is like beautiful. The fight choreography is great. And they, they kind of just, um, they don't cut around. Like they just let that like fight sequence play out for oh, a little bit of time. Um, yeah. And it's, just, a, it's a good minute of animation. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it, it really just goes to emphasize just the, the capabilities of the animators and the, the, the really beautiful fluid motion of the, the fight sequence there. But, you know, he, he takes out all of them up until he goes up against Arisha, who then, you know, kicks the shit out of him because he's not expecting her to be an Amazon. Um, and so then he, he gets a hold of her necklace, which he recognizes as being from Themyscira. So he goes to find Wonder Woman to talk to her about it. But when he, before we get to them reuniting, we have this very bizarre sequence of Wonder Woman shopping. Yes, it, it feels very reminiscent of the movie, of the live action film. Oh, in like the, the fish out of water sort of sense? Yeah. Okay, I can kind of see that. Because my question for you is going to be, what is the point of this? Like, I, I didn't feel like it really set up anything about her character that played out over the rest of the episodes. I, I feel like there might have been a line that was cut because it was a little too hand-fisted, especially for this episode, because there is the line of, like, why would a woman hide her natural beauty? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like in there, that line was originally, like, why are you turning yourself into the woman a man wants to see kind of situation? Okay. You know, like maybe yeah. like all these makeup brands are made by men, kind of like for men's desires. Right. Yeah. You're 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 buying all this stuff to um, adhere to uh, the male gaze and right. the male perspective on beauty. Yeah. And so maybe that scene was Wonder Woman originally being like, "Hey, don't do that. Like, do it for you, mm-hmm. not for the guy." Yeah, I I agree. I think something like that would have made it work a little bit better because you're you're right. There is a, a slight fish out of water element. Like she's wandering around this this department store and just kind of uh, just confused by everything that's going on around her, like the mannequins and the the cosmetics and the jewelry and stuff like that. But I wasn't quite sure why she was there in the first place. Like, was this her trying to like get a better sense of what you know, the, the outside world is like, but if that's the case, you know, we're, I think at this point now, several months into her being away from Themyscira, you kind of feel like this sort of stuff would have happened earlier. Yeah. Okay. Here's a, here's a pitch for you, Chris. This one's a little more obscure and maybe a little more sexist. I'll let you figure that one out for me. Okay. Off to a great start. (laughs) Um, the cure slash antidote for the the allergen is the perfume that Wonder Woman is sprayed with in the conven- in the in the department store. <laughs> Impertinence. Yes. 
This is the name of it, which I thought was fantastic. And so the only people that survive are women and drag queens that use that perfume. I mean, honestly, a world that was just like women and drag queens would sound kind of fantastic, actually. Yeah, and smell wonderful. Yeah, although I, we get the impression that maybe the, the, the fragrance impertinence is not that great yes. to begin with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it just felt like a slightly odd sequence. Like, it... I didn't really get what, you know, you, you kind of feel like that was intended to be a way to set up where, where one woman's head is at at the beginning of this. Like, and I could see if it was something where she was, um, you know, like missing her, her, her sisters, her people that makes sense. Or if, um, you know, it was more a commentary on her not being used to having men in her life. Like that would kind of make sense. Yeah. Two, um, like obviously it couldn't be her hanging out with, um, with Batman because he has to like come meet her to bring her the necklace and he's just been, you know, handing the injustice, getting their asses. Um, but I don't know. It, it could have been her, it could have been her hanging out with Martian Manhunter. It could have been her hanging out with Hawkgirl. Like, I feel like it, it had to be a scene where she was, um, kind of nonplussed by the need for men in the world and, that would have made a little bit more sense, I think, than just her going around and shopping. And she really doesn't even interact with any male characters while she's there. So I wasn't no. quite sure what they were going for. I So we we briefly talked about this before recording, but we love the button at the end of this episode. where Remind me know, of the button. Um, they, you know, every, everyone's saved. They're like, you know what? There is, there is something good about having men and women in the society together. And then Flash comes in. It's like, well, you know, if I was there, I could have taught her a oh, lesson yeah. or two. And it's like, maybe oh. not all men. Yeah. Oh, the button at the end of the second episode. Yeah. yeah sorry. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Part two. Yeah. yeah the, the, the Flash maybe doesn't represent the best of the male yes. gender. <laughs> but like if, if he was there with her during this sequence... You know, like him treating like a date and her just being like, no, I just needed like someone to show me the, the, the city. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, of course. He's like, you know, like we can go get a drink if you're, if you're up for it. Mm -hmm. It's like having that aspect at the beginning. I agree with you. I think that would have made that scene work better is if she was, yeah, like on patrol with the flash or even just like, you know, he had offered like, you know, take her around town as like a quote unquote courtesy, like, you know, trying to be a nice guy, but really just, you know, making up an excuse to flirt with her. Mm -hmm. I think that would have been a good way to kind of set up this dynamic a little bit better. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, so the Batman meets up with her and, um, you know, they realize that it's, they suspect it's, you know, uh, an Amazon who's right. You know, now leading the injustice gang. So they send Hawkgirl to, um, investigate out at Themyscira to figure out what's going on. And, she doesn't try very hard to not pick a fight, does she? She never does. She, she never does. <laughs> I mean, that, that was the point that I made during um, the Thor Ragnarok episode. Oh, like, yeah. If it was Superman and Hawkgirl that were on this, that were in this arena together, like, they're not opposites mentally, but how they handle situations is opposite. Where yeah. Superman will use violence as a last resort, where... Hawker will use it as, you know, like the like one point two resort. Yeah, exactly. Like it's she not her first, and... but it's always it's always there. 
Yeah, she just goes there immediately because she she shows up trying to figure out, um, you know, if an Amazon has left the island, and at the same time, um, uh, yeah, we you know, have of, we have Amazon Rumspringer, and we have we yeah, have a lot exactly, of right yeah. Now. Has has anyone gone off, gone off on their their Amazon Rumspringer? And at the same time, we have a bunch of Amazon warriors trying to investigate like a, a bunch of missing gold, obviously, you know, uh, wealth that Aresia is now using to fund the uh, the injustice gang. Um, so it's like they kind of, you know, they each have their own agenda. They're trying to figure out they they suspect each other. But, you know, uh, Hawk Girl's going there kind of on a semi-diplomatic mission to to investigate. Um, and she's just like, fuck it. Let's just go ahead and get into a fight anyways. I mean, what is diplomacy without violence these days? That's that is sadly true. So she's, you know, quickly taken down by a net. Um, and then when she tells Hippolyta that she's friends with Diana, then, you know, they, they go off to go find a region that's we get the whole the whole backstory mm-hmm. um on her and by you know by the end of the episode we're seeing that you know a bunch of people are now starting to get sick with the same illness that's you know uh impacting superman and of course we come to realize that it's only the men who are being um affected and that kind of becomes the uh the the cliffhanger on this one which is you know it's a pretty good one i'd say overall you know high stakes world's in peril um you know just League members are, are, are getting sick, as is the general populace. Not mm-hmm. bad. Not bad yeah. overall. Um, you know, so that leads us then into part two, where, you know, now we know what Arisha's plan is to, to kill off all the men on Earth. Um, the next step is for her to steal a military bomber to uh, disperse the allergen into the upper atmosphere. Um, and, you know, so now at this point, we're seeing, like, the world is starting to go into chaos. Um, you know, there's accidents everywhere like planes are stuck in the sky or or i think maybe crashing in some incidents you know there's like tons of car accidents because it's it's kind of like um almost what happens at the end of infinity war whenever it gets dusted like half the population gets dusted we just kind of see what would happen if all of a sudden you know people just uh, instantaneously started um just dropping in the middle of what they're doing it's kind of like pure pandemonium yeah uh yeah and and there's there's the fun line. Oh, right at the beginning, we hear the, uh, like the medic team going around looking at all this, uh, like helping up all the people who are falling sick on the ground. And one mm-hmm. of the one of the medics comes up. He's like, "This guy has glassy eyes. Like something's wrong with him." I'm like that's your first symptom, not the you know exposed glowing purple veins on this man's <laughs> face. Like maybe let's go with that more unique symptom than the slightly glassy eyes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We see Batman is doing okay from from what we can tell at first. Yeah. Uh, but he's kind of the last of the last of the the male members to to start. Of course he hit. is. Yeah. Of course he's the last one to go down. You know he he's got to continue to save the day right up to the point that he can't. Gotta right. love him for it. Yeah. And uh, just on a personal note, I also love it, too, because then, you know, all the, the Justice League members are, are taken up to the Watchtower to, um, you know, be medically examined, which basically just means that you get Flash, GL, Superman and Batman all just with their shirts off on mm-hmm. the, the medical tables, which one I always appreciate. But I especially appreciate any time when we get Batman uh, sans shirt, but still wearing his cowl. Yes. <laughs> which 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 means does 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 like someone have to hold the cowl down while they pull the shirt up? Or is there I, like a zipper situation? Uh, I, I I think maybe they just cut it off of him. But also like, I guess, well, 
I would say normally that would be hard to do because we assume it's like some sort of like tough Kevlar situation. But I think we've yeah. seen in the, the animated series that his, his costume can get wrecked pretty easily. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the cowl like folds to through the shoulders. Uh, most yeah. Of the time. yeah. Yeah. It's like the, the cowl like, yeah, goes over the shoulder blades and then the, the cape attaches to the cowl. But yeah, you're right. It'd be really hard to take the shirt off without taking the cowl off as well. Mm-hmm. Um, even harder for the Flash, who uh, most versions of his costume, the cowl is a hood attached to like a full body suit. So, yeah. well, I was going to say, well, Green Lantern's outfit is just a construction. That's true. <laughs> so I don't know how they got that done. Wait, no, no. We, remember, we've we've established that it's actually not a construct. Remember, he keeps a closet inside the same pocket You're dimension right. where he keeps the lantern. So, You're right. Because especially this Green Lantern doesn't do construct. He just does zappy, zappy laser beams and bubbles. Yes. Okay. So So. I was going to say they would get like a yellow sponge and just like try and wash it off of him. (laughs) Like body paints. Yeah. (laughs) I, I really hope that there's a deleted scene of of Martian Manhunter. (laughs) One, just having to track down a yellow sponge specifically. It's like, Oh, we only have pink sponges. God damn it. It's like what Batman. Are you doing this? <laughs> like Batman, I need a yellow sponge. He's like, I've never heard of such a common thing before in my life. Like, I'll call Alfred. Maybe he might know <laughs> what you're asking for. Alfred, do we have yellow sponges by chance? I don't know their purpose, but they're no, a need. <laughs> Alfred wouldn't use a sponge. He would use some sort of like thousand thread count, super fine. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, he yeah. would like what is like the <laughs> nicest version of a sponge you can get. So there's a whole sequence where Alec or uh, where Alfred has to like drive down to Target and go through and buy a bunch of yellow sponges and then drop them off on a waiting javelin to take them up to the watchtower. Mm-hmm. But he can't because now he's also a guy, so he'd also be sick. Oh my god, that's true. They're fucked. They're fucked. You know what? We should have known that the end of the day the world would fall apart because Alfred wasn't available to help. Yeah. I mean, if Batman keeps the Justice League going, Alfred keeps Batman going, which basically means that the whole world rests on his, his perfectly postured shoulders. Yeah. Poor Alfred. But yeah. I don't so, want him to get sick. No, we got to keep him around. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we're, we're seeing all the men drop and, you know, the Arisha's point is basically like, this is a good thing. Like man's world is just filled with like greed, deception and cruelty. And she's right. Yeah. Um, she's absolutely right. You know, and even Wonder Woman's kind of put in this weird spot where, you know, she's now slightly adjusted to living in what I'm going to refer to as like the outside world, the non, you know, Themyscira world. But I think she still doesn't fully understand. I'm not going to say that the, the necessity that men play, but I don't think she maybe fully yet gets just how deeply entrenched men are in how the world runs. I think it's a better yeah, way. Well, it, would, it would just be like it. if Themyscira lost half its population. Yeah, they wouldn't exactly. be able to function either. Yeah, and and I and I think this is an you know. Um, an even more extreme case and and they don't really get into this but you can kind of infer that this is what's happening which is that like you know men because of you know uh, just basically like sexist inequality like men are in 
disproportionately in more critical positions, right? So you can think about like, you know, this is especially the early 2000s and and maybe let's say it would give this world the, the benefit that the DCU is like slightly more advanced and progressive than, than our real world. Um, but, you know, that means that the vast majority of the world leaders are going to, you know, be affected by this. Um, you know, that there's probably a disproportional amount of like, like pilots and doctors and medics and engineers and scientists who are, um, you know, uh, affected by this. And I, as I was watching this episode, I was thinking, yeah, I mean, like, we, we know a hundred percent of butlers that are in the DCAU that's are true. now all gone. <laughs> the most important one, especially, um, but you know, like I, I was, as I was watching this, I was thinking like this, this plot line, I feel like wouldn't be done now and not that it couldn't be done and could be done interesting if anything i think a a version of this storyline that has that modern perspective that's sort of like calling out you know um inequality would add a lot of interesting elements to the same story but it couldn't be done now because like all of the fucking like toxic fans would just complain about how like you know the libs and the social justice warriors you know all the fucking sjws are ruining media at this point Okay, because I, I always think about this, too, and I, I was coming at it from the Disney perspective where there, there's, a, there's a shot where um, two, uh, two helicopter pilots, two female helicopter pilots crash, mm-hmm. or they, they get caught up in, uh, like, telephone wires. Yeah, they fly through a, a smoke cloud. They, yes, and yeah, they get caught up in some wires. Yeah, electrical wires. And so Wonder Woman has to come and save them, but then Wonder Woman is hit by the electrical wire. So then Hawkgirl, no, so Star Sapphire comes to save them, which I have another yeah. point on Star Sapphire in a second. Okay. But with the Disney problem, and I brought it up when we talked about Mulan, Disney doesn't know how to write a non-perfect female character, where everyone, okay. everyone they write of recent, is mm-hmm. born perfect, and their only flaw is they don't know they're perfect. And uh, your, your rays, your, um, or the kind of like the powers inside them character. Okay. Ray in episode six was sorry. In episode seven was basically born already the best pilot in the galaxy. She already defeated Kylo Ren. She didn't need to go and train. She already mm-hmm. beat him. Uh, and then seven, Again, she's already the best pilot, already has everything figured out, already, you know, is better than Luke, and Luke admits that, already has, you know, the force is within her the entire time, and then okay. in 9, it's the same thing. Um, Mulan obviously had that same problem, where the the live-action Mulan, where she's born the greatest martial artist in the world, and her only oh, flaw yeah. is that she's too good, yeah, that it's going to scare away men. She has more chi than anyone. Yes, and so as the story goes, she realizes the only reason she lost a fight is because she's not being who she is. The power's inside her the entire time. That problem. I, I Initially, when I started this theory, I threw in Carol Danvers, but that is a little different. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, of, of recent, Disney can't write a non-perfect female character. I... I do, I do see where you're coming from on that, and I, and I do agree to a point. And yeah, and I, and I think, I, I definitely feel like you know, Ray is a great example of a character that was ultimately like underserved by what they did with her. 
Um, they didn't really give her a lot of like depth and complexity. And they like the most quote unquote interesting about her was that she was related to an asshole. I disagree slightly though. I think frozen is a good example of like balanced, well-written female characters because the two female leads are both really imperfect. And I think in particular, um, like frozen Two, Elsa's whole arc is around her own, um, insecurity and her, mm-hmm. her doubt in herself. And I think that makes her really interesting. I think that makes that story really interesting. But I, I, I see your point though, about that being um, like the reality of let's call it what it is like, you know, um, male writers tackling female characters, like, you know, they, rather than trying to make them, you know, uh, flawed, like you would a male character, the, the, sometimes solutions to make them like too perfect. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I see that, especially in a, a male centered writer's room, I see that problem being like, anytime you write a woman in, uh, like in peril, you're going to have people coming out of the woodworks being like, it's like, well, yeah, of course she can't do that. She's a girl. There's no way, you know, she can rescue the galaxy. It's like, but no, if you look at Luke from four five and six, he didn't do shit by himself. No, I don't think he, he did a single thing. You know, in episode, you know, episode four, Han does everything, and Leia does everything, and Ben does yeah. everything. Episode yeah, five, he loses his fight, and Leia has to save him, and Han has to save him. Yeah. Uh, and then in episode six, uh, he tries to kill his dad and doesn't, and then he almost dies, and his dad has to come and save him. Like nothing That's in four, point, five, actually. and six, Luke yeah. doesn't do anything by himself. But you can't write that for uh, for Ray because you're going to have men come out. It's like, well, yeah, duck. She's not as good as Luke. She can't she can't do anything by herself. Like she needs a guy to come and save her the whole time. Yeah. I mean, look, I think we're just further proving Arisha's point that like the world is better off without toxic masculinity. (laughs) Yeah. And, And I think that's also what makes it hard to write an episode like this. This now would be that you would you just have like that toxic male perspective like shitting all over it even though it's actually trying to say something relevant and interesting about you know our real world here and and you know offer up some some valid commentary um but yeah so it's like you know they they now know what arisha's plan is she's going to launch these missiles up in the atmosphere um you know luckily they're able to get a hold of a copy or a a sample of the antigen to start developing a uh, a cure um, you know, and then, you know, the, the, the fight ultimately ensues between Aresia and Star Sapphire. Um, and then one other character who I, we should mention kind of briefly here, uh, Sakuri, who, yes. when I saw her initially, I assumed was Katana until they've, you know, referred to her as Sakuri. And then I looked her up and apparently this is an original character in the DCAU. That yeah, this is, is her debut. Yeah, exactly. The, it's basically just Katana. It's yeah, it's just Katana, except her yeah. her sword doesn't steal souls, exactly that we know so of. Yeah, and I I at least in the 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 usual level of like cursor research that I do, I didn't see any explanation as to why they opted to not go with Katana here and to go with a different character that's clearly inspired by Katana. Um, maybe that information out there somewhere, and I just didn't happen across it. Yeah, I mean, um, maybe something's happened in the comics. That's usually how these things go. 
Yeah, and and I know that you get those situations sometimes where they will have like embargoes. Like we've talked before about the uh, the bat embargo that was going on during the Nolan era that severely mm-hmm. limited what characters could be used. And we'll see that even throughout the rest of Justice League is that there are very very few Batman villains in here at all. Um, and even like the Batman, that animated series, wasn't able to use characters like um, Ra's al Ghul or Two Face or, or Scarecrow. Or some of those. Yeah, that's why because... the one with fucking Copperhead. Yeah, exactly. That. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of true. But like, I mean, I also appreciate that because it gives us a chance to like learn more about these otherwise, you know, lesser known characters. Right. Um, and for all I know, maybe Katana was included in the Bat embargo to some degree because she's often associated with um, with Batman, um, even to the point of being, I think, what his sidekick in Beware the Batman. Um, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, I mean, I think most people forget about that show. But, it's, you know, so ultimately it becomes, you know, a, a fight between, um, you know, Wonder Woman, Hawk Girl, and the the three female members of the Injustice gang. Yeah. And but, th- but we have a, 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 a almost flip because we see Star Sapphire come uh, and help out Hawk Girl and Wonder Woman for a minute. And she said that she didn't want to follow with a Regis plan anymore, which makes sense. Again, this is normal Green Lantern canon, not DCAU Green Lantern canon. Right. But Star Sapphire's power is her her emotion is love slash yeah. lust, like a, a lusting love. Mm-hmm. And so for her, a society without men, that means she would be exponentially weaker to some yeah. degree. No, that that makes sense. And and I think even, you know, if you want to go into like the the ambiguous, at least for us, ambiguous realm of Star Sapphire in the DCAU, it also makes sense that someone else on that team might be like, this isn't the best idea. Like, I get what you're going for. I agree with your ultimate aims, but, like, your methodology is problematic. Like, you know, Hawkgirl is obviously against it, and there's that that lovely little back and forth where one of makes a comment about how, like, how essential, um, you know, can men be to your life? And Hawkgirl's response is, you know, don't knock it till you've tried it. But, you know, it, it makes sense that maybe one member of the Injustice gang would be like, ah, uh, this isn't the best idea. And they, they set up Star Sapphire to be that person. So we believe her when she shows up to help. Um, right. And then, of course, you know, she's still a villain. She's like, nah, just kidding. I'm still working with the bad guys. But yeah, so like we kind of get that that fight there at the end, and you know it it ends as you kind of expect it to with the you know uh, hot girl sabotaging the um, bomber so that the missiles can't escape, so the whole thing ends up blowing up, and you know we we assume at that point that uh, Aresia is probably killed in the battle. Here, here's a a, a, quick, a quick question for you, Chris. I just I just mm-hmm. realized this. So we know the virus, sorry, the allergen infects alien species, all men the encapsulated all men circle. Okay. This allergen falls into the ocean where there are male fish. (laughs) Did they just ruin the oceanic, uh, not atmosphere, but the ecosphere or ecosphere. (laughs) Because like, because at this point, if, if this is true, seahorses are now extinct Yes, this because is true. Because now they can't have any more babies. Yeah, seahorses, uh, any aquatic mammals like whales would be fucked. Whales, um, dolphins, sharks are all are yeah. all gone. All of the male members of Atlantis. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Fuck. Like. Yeah. There goes Aquaman. 
and his son. Does this spark the war between the uh, Atlanteans and the Themyscarans? I mean, it would have if all the half the Atlanteans weren't now dead. So. Yeah. You do raise a good point. I had not thought about that. Yeah. It's like all that's left are the are the fish and the the creatures that can you know uh, reproduce asexually. It's yeah. Like, we still got a lot of starfish. Still got a lot of algae. Yep. It's fine. Starfish yeah. are adorable. We'll keep yeah, them. That's all we need. Yeah. <laughs> they killed Mr. Krabs, Squidward, SpongeBob's fine. Patrick's yeah, fine. A... Sandy's well, but, fine. I mean, it would take out SpongeBob too. Do sponges? Are, do sponges need a male and female? Sea well, I don't know, but like, I mean, I feel look, like sea sponges the... are are asexual. Look. Again, it, uh, if you try and, like, unpack the, like, <laughs> scientific reasoning behind this, it makes no fucking sense. Like, you know, like, I, the only thing that would, like, maybe kind of make sense is if it was designed specifically to attack, um, what is it, uh, the Y chromosome, right? Yeah. Man, like, yeah, biological men have um, Y chromosomes. And so, like, if it attacked that, then it would kind of make sense. I think that's, like, I mean... The, I I don't I didn't study biology I don't know how this fucking works, but like that's the only thing that, like to my mind like off the top of my head that I think would you know biologically differentiate the two in which case that would not be an allergen that would have to be you know viral because it have to like actually affect your DNA, right? Um, but that same if that's how it works it probably wouldn't affect a Kryptonian it probably wouldn't affect a Martian. Mm-hmm. So we, we just have to chalk it up to like comic book science on this one. So, yeah. and by comic book science, yeah, it would probably take out half the sea life as well, which is mm. not, a, not a good thing. Sea life's Damn. good. We like sea life. We They're do. Helpful. Yeah. But you know, I, I like it because there is, you know, um, there's a, another element to Aresia's history that Hippolyta had never explained, which was that it wasn't just that, um, you know, Aresia had survived uh, a, a shipwreck and washed up on the shores of Themyscira is that she was rescued at sea by the male captain of that ship who, um, you know, basically like paddled until he came across the island in order to save Aresia and in doing so killed him. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a nice moment when Hippolyta acknowledges that he's the only man ever buried on Themyscira, you know, in, a, in an unmarked grave. And when Aresia asks why that part of the story was never included. Hippolyta acknowledges she just never thought it was important. She never thought he was important. And I, I liked that um, kind of little button on that overall story. You know, it, it does sort of acknowledge that um, there is an element of maybe short-sightedness to the Amazons. Um, and, you know, and that despite the fact that men in general are trash, mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes they can be good. Like Paul Rudd. I'd be happy like if Paul all Rudd. like Paul Rudd, like, you know what? Like we could pr- basically like lose pretty much all the men in the world, but I, I would acknowledge that for the, my few remaining breaths I still had before I died, I'd be like, Oh, but the world just lost Paul Rudd. Paul Giamatti also is a pretty good guy. From what I, I mean, understand. but he's no, he's no Paul, he's Rudd, no Paul Rudd. He's no Paul Rudd. <laughs> I, I challenge it like to find a reasonable person who doesn't just love Paul Rudd. Yeah. Yeah. What a fucking treasure. He is. Um, who else would yeah. be on like the Paul Rudd tier? I, uh, I would put like Justin Timberlake up there. No, I, I don't think I'd put him up you there. You don't think so? I feel like he's he's pretty charming. 
he's charming, but I, I, uh, I think he might have his, his little issues here and there. I, I, I'd say I throw a Paul Rudd in there. I'd throw in a, uh, a Chris Evans. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, my God, we were, we were talking about him last week. Michael B. Jordan. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that was the other news that was announced this morning. What? That we forgot to bring up in news. Uh, he's going to direct Creed 3. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. Oh, that's I forgot awesome. I, it, it was literally posted, like, right before we started recording. Oh. Oh, no shit. Yeah. That's fantastic. It, it'll be his uh, directorial debut as, as here for a it. direct. Yeah. It's going to be great. Oh. That, that's, that is awesome. That that is absolutely awesome. Okay, no, that's fantastic. My oh my god, Michael B. Jordan, you just yeah, you just continue to be a delight in everything you do. Um, let's see who else. Oh, uh, Andy Samberg. I'd be sad to see Andy Samberg go. I like him. Yeah, Rob Riggle. I feel like <laughs> Rob Riggle. Yeah, I do like me a Rob Riggle, a Tom Hanks, a, a John Mulaney, maybe. Oh my gosh, a John Mulaney. Oh my gosh, yeah. 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 I, I'm also just happy that, you know, a fifth of this list are two guys that went to my college. Yeah. It's clearly your college is doing this. Nope. Definitely not. Definitely I not. I can no. say for certain it is not the college. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, I'd be sad to see Idris Elba go. Oh, yeah. Big Dress. Big Dress. I do love me some Big Dress. Mm. Some Tooch. Stanley Tucci. Tucci. Oh, Stanley Tucci. Okay, look, look. There are some men that I would be sad to see go. <laughs> I would be sad, but I would be sad for so long because obviously I'm going too. Um, but again, hypothetically speaking, might be worth it. Might be just I, possible. I watched um, the new Witches this week over this weekend. Oh, nice. Uh, it's uh, it's fine. We were you gonna do obviously... like a, a proper plug on it or? No, I'm not going to do a full plug. Okay. Uh, I, I just wanted to, to talk about how great the Tooch is. I was watching it with a oh, friend, and I was texting her uh, while we were watching. And I'm like, it's the Tooch. And she goes, who? And who? I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you not know the Tooch? Stanley the Tooch Tucci is <sighs> the man. And it's like, I've never heard him referred to as the Tooch before. <laughs> and I'm like, how all of well, all three of us that use that phrasing have you never heard any one of us call him the tooch yeah you know, that's what we call him in the biz yeah get, get the tooch on the phone i, I got this great it's great role for him he makes everything better he's the only reason i've considered watching transformers four and five because i know he has like a spot in those movies oh i didn't know that okay yeah that, that he plays is a like great he plays yeah. merlin i think Oh, he'd be a good Merlin. Okay, yeah, okay, I, okay. That that know. that's good to know. Because we're going to talk about it, something very close to that in a minute. I'd say, yeah, yeah. Well, apropos of uh, your your question, but um, I don't. Know. Any other thoughts on these episodes? Um, not too much. I like I like Wonder Woman being referred to as Miss Cheekbones. Yes. Oh, she, I mean, she is very fitting. Excellent. Excellent cheekbones. Um, oh, they also, felt even more like prominent in this episode. I don't know if they just used like a different ink weight, but it, they felt a little more like visible this time. They, yeah, they did kind of give him, I feel like, a little bit of an extra sheen just to really point out um, that, yeah. you know, understandably, she is like one of the most beautiful women on the entire planet. Yeah. So, oh, God, she is. 
God damn it. Wonder Woman's amazing. Uh, also, totally forgot to mention some of the uh, the supporting cast thing I'm, I'm trying to remember to do. Shout out to some of the, the, the great guest spots here. Oh, um, yes. So it's, it's worth acknowledging that Aresia is voiced by the uh, amazing Julie Bowen, who, um, you know, beyond being, uh, what is her character's name on Modern Family? Claire, I think, on Modern Family. Oh, um, shit. Is, yeah. Yeah, which she's, you know, best known for. But I, you know, of course, first knew her from uh, Happy Gilmore back in the day. Uh, and then, of course, she was one of the, oh, the lead. Is she the, is she the love interest in Happy Gilmore? She's the love interest in Happy Gilmore. Wow, that uh, never that never clicked. Yep, exactly. Um, and she also was one of the the series regulars on Boston Legal, which was a show that I inexplicably watched when I was like fifteen oh, my, years old. The, my and, mom and loves loved. that show. Yeah, I I haven't gone. I actually I started rewatching a bit of it not too long ago. Unfortunately, it's it's kind of a hard show to track down. Um, but it's, uh, I love that show. It's fantastic. But, you know, so she, you know, those are kind of the, her most prominent roles, but she's also a very prolific voice actor too. Um, and pops up in lots of different places. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. she's great. I actually, I didn't realize it was her and maybe because it was long enough ago that her, her voice, maybe just cause she was a little bit younger, her voice wasn't as recognizable or, or maybe she was, you know, acting and putting on a slightly different inflection. <laughs> um, but I didn't, I, I think maybe subconsciously I knew it was her cause her name popped into my head before I looked it up. But sure enough, that was it. Um, and then of course we had Olivia, uh, Daba returning as star Sapphire. And this was one that actually quite surprised me. Mark Hamill was Solomon Grundy in these episodes. Yeah. He was in, uh, in the last episodes, it was an uncredited role for him. Yeah. I did not know that actually. I, yeah. I, just, I guess, forgot to look it up, but sure as shit. Oh, my God, Mark Hamill. Okay, Mark I, yeah, Hamill. It's, it's just, his, Another it's just one. his vocal. Oh, yeah, Mark Hamill, yeah. yeah. I feel like his Grundy is just his vocal warm-up for Joker. I think so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely love him. Um, but no, I mean, you know, again, the this show continues to, to give us some fantastic... Um, uh, voice roles and then um uh, vanessa marshall who's another uh, actor i absolutely love um she voices harrison doula on star wars rebels and, and a few okay. iterations she's voiced one woman um but she has a a couple spots as like the the lipstick lady and the, the paramedic in the background but apparently she was um one of the final contenders for wonder woman in this show before it ultimately went to susan eisenberg so okay and I would never, ever trade away Susan Eisenberg, who I absolutely adore as Wonder Woman. Um, but I also love Vanessa Marshall, so I was glad to see that she, uh, you know, got to have a little spot here. So great, yeah. Okay, uh, now shall we go ahead and move on to our uh, our plugs for Let's the do week? Some plugs, yeah. All right, what do you got for us this week, Cameron? So this 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 plug is is just more of a, a bit of information that I learned this week. And I, I need I didn't know where exactly it would fit because it's not new news, so I didn't want to put it there. Okay. And I couldn't really find a way to shoehorn it into a natural conversation. <laughs> I mean, you're pretty good at that. I'm very so. good at that. But <laughs> I, I have spent the good part of the past year ragging on Viacom yes. for being so late to the streaming war. And I found out this week... They do have a kind of streaming platform that I just never knew about. Really? And they were they were actually first of the people to do this. Last May, <clears throat> they made an extension to Amazon Prime called Nick Hits, which it's it's $8 a month, so I'm not going to pay for it right now. 
but Nick Hitz has the almost the entire backlog of Nickelodeon entertainment since what? probably 91. No game shows. That, that was that kind of upset me, but no game shows. Uh. But Pete and Pete, Salute Your Shorts, Are You Afraid of the Dark, all the like the OG live action stuff, Rugrats, Hey Arnold, Doug, uh, all everything from that point on, you know, minus a few of the the my big hitters. There's no Cat Scratch or Super Duper Sumos, but that's fine. <laughs> I, I'll let those slide. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, basically every Nickelodeon show is available on Amazon through the Nick Hits extension. And and that I is wanted insane. I I I feel like I I should give Viacom some sort of apology for how hard I've been hitting them over this past year, <laughs> especially for them doing this eight months before Disney Plus launched. Yeah. Um but I won't because it's still eight dollars for just Nickelodeon and it's not even the game shows. So I'm not gonna give you an apologies yeah, Viacom. It's it's I mean, I, I'm I'm glad this exists. Um yeah, it's maybe it's not quite enough. You're right; it doesn't have all the content. It's a little expensive for what it is. Yes, and I I feel like it's worth giving Viacom credit for doing this, but also I feel like they just did it because they didn't. They just dumped that stuff. They're like, oh, no one cares about this stuff, so fuck it. Just like put it up for eight bucks a month on Amazon. Don't publicize it at all, and just let it live there for anyone who cares. Yeah, but but also connected to that, I remember a couple months ago, Viacom making a deal with Netflix. <clears throat> That they were just going to drop all of their content to Netflix. And that's why we got Last Airbender. Oh, that's right. And yeah. nothing has panned out from that since then. I don't think we've gotten any other Nick show on on uh, Netflix. Oh. Wait, I don't... Was that part of a, an overall Nickelodeon animation deal? Or was that specifically a deal as part of the uh new avatar show on netflix i always assumed it was part of that that's i don't think it's part of that i because i remember them it wasn't even just nick it was supposed to be all viacom oh interesting it's like we were supposed to get like clone high on netflix oh oh my god clone high that is one of the few dvds that i've held on to it's not like it's actually impossible to find an like official production dvd of it it is like Mm -hmm. the only like ripped media that i have kept but I, i covet it like a like a, a precious gem in my as apartment. you should yes because that that is a fucking stone cold classic show right there yeah so um, i'll, I'll but, say it again as i've been saying for years viacom get on your shit we're tired of you like slowing everyone else down but aren't they also put, starting to put more and more stuff up on cbs all access a little bit yeah because when it went up on netflix so last airbender went up on netflix and then within the week of that popping off, Cora went up on CBS All Access and then also went up on Amazon, I think, huh? before finally going to Netflix. So I think they just like saw the opportunity to like sell, sell, sell. Like anyone, yeah. you want it? Here it is. You want it? Here it is. You want it? Okay, give us some money and you can have it. I mean, I think this sort of stuff just further supports why some people hold on to like extensive physical libraries of their stuff. Um, just because like you can't guarantee that things will stay where they are on streaming at all. Right. Rather sadly. I mean, we've dealt with this in regards to like what's going to happen with, uh, you know, all of the DC cartoons. We now know they're going to HBO max, which kind of sucks. 
But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's sometimes it's good to just have a physical library of things. Well, yeah, and that was also the uh, this. I don't I don't think you ever played this game, but um, back right after Scott Pilgrim came out, they made a spot Scott Pilgrim video game, and it's this beautiful eight bit version of the movie that you get to play through that huh. follows closer to the comics and the the movie. Okay, and it's so much fun, but it was only available for Xbox digital download. Oh, and um, after like th- the the game didn't just you know following wake of the movie the game didn't sell super well and so uh microsoft just like took it off the servers one day and oh, anyone who no. bought it couldn't play the game anymore that's fucked up uh but what's what's great is they're re-releasing the game to make more money off of it this christmas of course and i will absolutely buy it again of course you will <laughs> of that we can always be certain yes Anytime there's a new Scott Pilgrim, I'm in line. He's there for it. Uh, but for, for real plugs, um, I've, I'm slowly catching up in my Hollywood, in, in my uh, Halloween films. Mm-hmm. And so this week, I finally watched Cabin in the Woods. <gasps> no kidding. I watched Cabin in the Woods this week. No way. Yeah. Uh, it's great. I, I understand the hype around it. Oh, so you hadn't seen it before. I'd never seen it before, no. Oh, okay. I, I had seen it once before, so this was a rewatch. But yes. um Oh, it's great. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's like it's a it's a weird like time capsule too, because it came out in I think 2011, 2012, but it was made before um Thor. So it's like Chris Hemsworth before he was like Chris Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. Um and I guess actually, because I think I think Joss Whedon was maybe a producer on it or something like that. Somehow he was involved. No, he, he directed like, it. No, he didn't. Drew Goddard direct- directed it. No. Oh, then yes. Did he write it then? Ah, uh, I forget. Let me look up and see. Yeah, because he, he's definitely attached. Because there's yeah. the there was the joke back in the day that Joss Whedon wanted to do one of every genre, yeah. so then he could retire. <laughs> well, he's basically has to now. Yeah. Um, Kevin in the Woods. Produced by Joss Whedon and written by Joss Whedon. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Wait, did Drew Goddard also do a pass on the script or was he just a director? Uh, it is it's, it's co-written by the two of them. Uh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So I guess he ended up um, recommending Chris Hemsworth to Marvel. Oh, that's, that's awesome. How, that's, that's like part of how he ended up getting in um, as Thor. So which is pretty great. But no, it's it's fun. Like it's got uh, you know, an incredible cast. Um, you know, like mostly kind of like younger unknown actors. You know, Chris Hemsworth ended up becoming the biggest of them, but um, you know, it, supporting cast like Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford who are amazing and you know, Amy Acker's thrown in there and mm-hmm. it's just a um, it's it's weird because for those who haven't seen it, like you almost don't want to talk about what it's about. Like, you no, yeah, wanna... I, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything about it. Yeah. Did you, so did you go in not knowing anything about it? You just knew people liked it. Yes. Didn't watch a trailer. Didn't okay. watch anything. It's just yeah. one that like everyone always talks about. Yes. So yeah, I, I would, I wholeheartedly agree with your, your endorsement of this film. Like I said, I rewatched it this week. Super fun to go back to it. Um, yeah. For anyone who hasn't seen it, don't, read up on it don't watch new yeah. trailers it, it's the same um, I, I would say the same thing for um what's the uh tucker and dale versus evil yeah yeah exactly they, they're they're both um kind of meta commentaries on the horror genre and if you're a person who doesn't like horror i'd say they're not 
neither is scary enough to put you off if you're not a horror person, which I don't think yeah, either of us I, really I are. Yeah, and I am certainly not a horror person. Yeah, same. Um, but they're they're not like they are. Yeah, commentaries on horror films while still including horror elements, but not being like full on horror films. Like you know, like Scream is a horror satire that is also like a full tilt horror movie. Um, this is more of you know, like uh, a, a commentary on those sort of things. So it's not, it's not so scary that to put you off, but if you haven't seen it, don't look anything up about it. Um, go watch it. Highly recommend it. Um, yes. It's, you know, it's fairly short. It's, it's clever. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, and then my, my last little plug is um, with the series coming out next year. And these comics have been sitting on my shelf for over a year. I finally started reading invincible. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and it's great. I'm mm-hmm. I'm probably twenty ish chapters in right now. Okay. Um, it is it is I I understand the hype again. It it is very very good. It's a great world. Um, there's a lot more parody in it than I was expecting. Okay. Uh, in the sense of like they have the Guardians of the Globe are straight knockoffs of um, um uh, the Justice League. <laughs> of course. And, there, you know, with the boys just ending, you get a little hint of that in there. It's not fully the boys where everyone is just an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it's it, it's the fun part of, like, living with a house of superheroes. Like, his dad is a superhero. His dad is Omni-Man, who's, like, the greatest hero on Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the mom knows both of them are superheroes. And so she's kind of this, like, stay-at-home mom just like making dinner for the three of them. She's like, Oh, you know, I guess dad's still saving the world. He'll come in later. And the next panel, it's just like a swoosh. And the dad's now sitting at the table. He's like, do you guys do anything fun today? It's like, well, yeah, you know, I stopped an alien invasion. It's like, Oh yeah. My, my physics teacher was blowing up students cause they were bullying his son. Uh, and he's like, yeah, and we, we, I didn't get to, I didn't stop him, but like, you know, he blew himself up. So he's not going to do that to anyone else anymore. It's like, just like casual dinner conversations. Yeah. That does sound really fun. Yeah. Like I've, I've always heard good things. So, yeah. So I'm going to, there's what, 180 issues, I think, altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see how far I can get before um, the series starts. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure you can, you can probably get through a good chunk of it. I'm not sure when the series comes out, but. Uh, like uh, next spring, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. You got time. Yeah. I, I, I have the first like 60 issues on my shelf. Oh, they've just been geez. sitting there looking very pretty. Yeah, you're off to a great start then. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's me. What about you? What have you been watching, listening, reading? What uh, is your so Viacom also, take? Right. Yeah, I, I've also been catching up on some comics, or I guess kind of rereading in some ways some comics. So um, <clears throat> I just reread the uh, Batman No Man's Land run from like ninety eight, ninety nine. You do which, love that series. I do, you know, I, I, you know, I held on to my, um, you know, like my collected trade editions of Cataclysm and the five volumes of No Man Land from like when I was a kid. Um, I picked them up recently when I was home and brought them back down to LA and, you know, decided that, you know, in the, the middle of a apocalyptic scenario in the real world, why not read another one uh, in my background time? So I did reread it. Um, but of course... I thought like, oh, cool. I'll just like sit down and, you know, reread the, the trades. So I'll get through them real quick. It'd be really easy, really fun. Um, and then for whatever reason, I like 
stumbled upon the fact that there was like this whole section called Road to No Man's Land between Cataclysm and No Man's Land. I'm like, oh, I've never read this. So let me look and see if I've missed anything. And then, of course, I find out that the trades from 20 years ago um, was only like half of the comics. It basically cut out all the peripheral Great. stories. Um, like, you know, all the tie-in issues from Robin and Nightwing and um, Asriel and all this other sort of stuff. And I was like, oh, God damn it. And Catwoman. Okay, God damn it. So I've spent the last like two weeks reading uh, either the comics in the trade, if it's there, or then going to my iPad to read them on DC Universe while dealing with the fact that like the DC Universe app on my iPad is corrupted and constantly crashes. Oh, and no. I, can't, I can't seem to fix it. So... And they'd be like having to constantly check in and see where my progress was. was. So it became a full blown out thing that didn't have to be. Um, but luckily uh, on DC Universe, there's a, uh, um, you know, a, a comics playlist, if you will, like a comics collection that goes to the main No Man's Land stories. And I'd say, you know, I'm glad I did read the, the other tie in stuff as well. It does expand out the world a little bit. You know, it kind of explains why Robin and Nightwing are, are gone for a long time and then eventually they're called back in and it explores the missions they're given to specifically by Batman to help, you know, rewrite No Man's Land, which I guess for those who don't know what the, this concept is, is that a 7.6 scale earthquake hits Gotham City and destroys it so bad that the United States basically um, annexes Gotham City from, you know, the nation and makes it like, you know, a lawless No Man's Land. Um, and people stay behind in the city. And so it's a matter of trying to like maintain order while that's mm -hmm. all happening. And it was kind of loosely adapted a little bit into uh, the dark Knight rises, but it's a, it's a good story. Um, and I'm glad I did read the peripheral stuff, especially the, the Asriel stuff. I don't really know much about him. I just knew that he, you know, took over for Batman, um, after the, the nightfall arc for a little bit. Um, but it's interesting to see kind of like what, learn more about that character and see what his missions were. And, you know, and there's some, you know, some good like one-off issues that explores what just like normal citizens or some of the cops who are left in, in no man's land are up to, um, you know, overall it's, you know, some pretty good storytelling. And I I'd say it's well worth a read. I don't, uh, I don't know if you necessarily have to track down, um, like, I guess I think cataclysm's worth reading cause it's, you know, the actual events of the earthquake itself and sets up a lot of what happens Right. There's a lot of stuff in that like road to no man's land. That's not that good. Um, you can probably get away with not having read it and still get the, the main thrust of it. Um, but yeah, overall I'd say, uh, yeah, well worth a read. So, um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was my plug for this week. So with that, shall we do a little, uh, cameras question corner? I got a question for you, Chris. I know. I'm actually opening up your corner this time. Uh, I've brought my proper lockpick set. Got that thing jimmied open. We're we're all nestled in here. It's 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 cozy. It's a little crisp in LA now, so we have the fire going. It's uh, it's delightful. Ooh, yeah. And I don't know crisp, why I do this. Every crisp week. meaning when you say crisp, it is 68 degrees. <laughs> hey, it's crisp. Okay, that is. You know what? It might actually be like 72 today. I have my windows closed because we're recording, and I'm not sweating. That's, that is, on, that is a good sign. That is winter. Yeah. I can be in my apartment with the windows closed, not having the fans on while wearing a Henley. This is the closest we get to winter in Los Angeles. Yeah. So I know yesterday I, I made myself some tea and I went out on my patio, read it's some so Invincible. Nice, right? Yeah. Oh, I might have a cup of tea. That sounds delightful. Yeah. I listened to my downstairs neighbor cough while he was trying to, to smoke some weed. Great. For like 30 minutes. It was great. Good on him. 
Uh, but yeah, my question for you, Chris, this week is uh, we've talked about, it's kind of piggybacking off of a previous question. We talked about authors covering other books, but I want to translate that to film, but specifically mm-hmm. one director that everyone loves to hate on a little bit. And okay. it's kind of a two-part question for you. Mm-hmm. So which Michael Bay movie uh, would you want to give to another director? And then flipped on that is which movie would you like to give to Michael Bay? Oh, so okay. I, I thought it was you have to... Michael Bay has to trade films to another director. What would you choose? I mean, you yeah, you, we can do that too. Oh, okay. I, that's the version I went for rather than just like what what any movie would I give to Michael Bay? Because, I, okay, yeah, I thought it was like if you were to swap two, if yeah, Michael Bay were to swap a film with another director, what would it be? Um, and so I went for Pearl Harbor mm-hmm. because I think Michael Bay has made three good films in his career. Uh, the Rock, which is a stone cold fucking action classic. Um, Armageddon, which is super cheesy, but it's pretty good at what it is. And then I will always have a soft spot for that first Transformers movie. Which it's I actually so think, good. Yeah. I actually think it's pretty damn solid. And I think he was the right choice for that in a lot of ways. Um, even though Bumblebee is better, but I, so I think he's made three good films. Um, I say one great film. I think the rock is great. I love that movie, <laughs> but I say that his biggest missed opportunity was Pearl Harbor. Okay. Which I think there's some decent stuff in there. Um, but overall it just is kind of a misstep. But I think I think that idea of, you know, doing kind of like a big blockbuster, like romantic epic around um that event is an interesting idea. So I would give that movie to Spielberg. Okay. Who I think could actually do it justice in terms of not only the the action, but the the romance and also being like, um, I'd say like politically sensible about it too. I think he would be able to approach it all really, really well. Um, So that's the one that I would like to see someone else tackle. But that means that I have to give a Spielberg movie to Michael Bay. Oh, please say BFG. It is BFG. Because yes. <laughs> that movie is awful. Yep. Um, I think it has one redeeming sequence, which is like kind of a semi-Rube Goldberg-esque like action sequence when the little girl first shows up in the BFG's cave or whatever the fuck he lives in. And I know that there are people who love that story and have never read the book, so I don't really give a shit about it. But that movie is awful. Um, and I would, I, I don't care what happens to it. So just as a weird exercise, I would love to see what sort of like insanity Michael Bay would do with that film. Yeah. 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 So I, I will say, cause obviously, uh, witches is also a roll doll book. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so if, if you don't like BFG, I don't think you're going to like witches, but I didn't, I didn't like BFG just cause I was bored and I didn't think it was well made. Okay. I feel like, I, I don't know. I, I'll probably end up watching the witches at some point. I mean, I, come on. I, I, I will say Spencer too, and Stanley Tucci and the Tucci and, yeah. and Hathaway. I can't say no to and Hathaway. I, I will say to support that movie. I didn't like the story very much, but the effects it, it is directed by Robert Zemeckis. Mm-hmm. And so the effects are great. Oh, I'm sure they are like yeah. super, super high quality. Uh, obviously this was supposed to go to theaters and then was, was passed down to HBO yeah. max. Um, yeah. For, for just the, the effects alone. I think the witches is, is, is pretty fun okay um but no i i like that that i that idea 
Because yeah. if you didn't say BFG, my second choice was going to be, I want to see Michael Bay's E.T. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would be entertaining to see him just fuck that up. Yes. So when, when I was doing minimal research for this, I didn't realize mm-hmm. how few films Michael Bay has actually directed. Yeah, not many. He's, he's 14. Okay. Which you, you wouldn't believe looking at his IMDb because his IMDb has 53 credits because he did so many music videos back in the day. Oh, um, yeah. He did a lot of music videos. Yeah. So I, I, I was having trouble figuring out which movie to pick. And you know me, I am a sucker for a good King Arthur story or even a bad King Arthur story. I watch them all. Yes, this is true. And so I want to give Age of Extinction to someone else. Okay. And I want to give it to Taika Waititi. Okay. All right. I, I can because see that working. Yeah. I feel like he would do such a fun job with the Transformers and, I, and Stanley Tucci. I want to see the two hang out with Taika Waititi. That's true. I, I don't know. If, I don't think Stanley Tucci's been in a Taika film. That I don't think so. Like I feel a, like they're going to get along great, though. I think they would. Yeah, I'd absolutely think they would. Uh, and I, I did not follow follow your suit of giving him a Taika film because okay. I would never. No, I, I, no. <laughs> no, no, no. It'd be sacrilege. Um, but I think in 2003, we both, you hate this movie. I <laughs> haven't seen it in so long. Do you already know where I'm going? Uh, maybe. Uh, I haven't seen this film probably since 2003, but I would either give him this one or the 2008 version. Okay. But I think giving him Ang Lee's Hulk. <laughs> I or or 2008's The Incredible Hulk. I mean, that would be interesting to watch. I I don't I don't hate. I mean, I don't hate Hulk. I mean, I didn't like it when I saw it in the theaters. Um, even at 14 i was like i kind of just want to leave um i would be interested to revisit it now and see if um in hindsight if maybe there are some good gems in there but i I, okay it's not one i I absolutely loathe but i do agree with you i think it would be interesting to see what michael bay would do with the hulk yes but as as i think about it more because i just kind of put that down as a filler i don't know how much would change (laughs) the incredible Uh, hulk already kind of has a lot of michael bay tones a, li- a little bit, because I mean, so that one is um, Louis Leterrier, who uh, my favorite movie of his is the first Transporter, which I think is also like a great action mm-hmm. movie. The, the, the sequel's less so. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, Leterrier can often be like Bay-esque. So yeah. yeah, that would be, oh my God, it'd be so many, even more explosions. But that, yeah. I mean, it works, you know, the, the Hulk he and explosions go together hand so and green well. hand so yeah. they make him pop yeah. yeah okay here here's a weird one that just popped in my head and i can't mm-hmm. get it out so I, I want you to help talk me through it okay michael bay's leon the professional i've actually never seen leon the professional oh really yes. it's great um and i actually i'm pretty sure i think that's lou Leturier as well oh is there, is there really i'm pretty sure um no so that's luke besson that's right okay i I get them confused sometimes because they're both french directors who make action movies um that's fair yeah no that's right because yeah because luke besson also yeah luke besson is i think hughes more closely to michael bay because he also did the fifth element so oh okay yeah those those would be some good ones i I think yeah i think bay could do a 
I'm not gonna say a decent job with them, but he would do something interesting with them, certainly. Yes. I, I feel like the hate towards Bay, and maybe it's just because I've been around you so much, <laughs> has shifted to the hate to Snyder. I because I feel uh, like Snyder's kind of just taken those shoes up. Like Bay's only made three films really in the past five or six years. I I think they are both capable and competent filmmakers. I can see I think, the anguish on your face as you're trying to. No, get no, no. This. I genuinely, I genuinely <laughs> believe that. I think, look, they, and they, they can do good stuff. I, like I've, I, I've said, there are three Michael Bay films that I think are good, and one of them I think is it. Like The Rock is on the fucking Criterion Collection. All right, like it is. is it, leg- really? it really is. It is legitimately a great, great action film. Um, you know, so it's like he's capable of making good stuff. Like I have a soft spot for Bad Boys Two, even though it's like way too fucking long and I haven't revisited it in a long time. But like he's capable of making good stuff. Zack Snyder as well is capable of making good stuff. I've I've never seen it because again, not a big horror person, but I've heard that his um, Dawn of the Dead reboot is supposed to be really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I quite I I am an apologist for his Watchmen. I think there's a lot of good stuff in there, even if it's not perfect. Yes. Um, and I haven't and, seen... And we, we say constantly that he is the best trailer director... Yes. ...out he, there today. He he and J.J. Abrams are, are constantly duking out to see who can give the best trailer. Um, you know, and I haven't seen 300 in a long time, but I, I've always liked 300 and I, I haven't mm-hmm. revisited it. And I might just like it, frankly, because of the abs. Yeah. I mean, it's how, how can you hate the thing that started CrossFit? Right. Exactly. <laughs> but, but I, I will also say that both of those filmmakers and, and I, and from what I've heard, I think from anything I've heard is that Zack Snyder is actually like a really lovely, lovely guy. Um, mm-hmm. and I've never really heard, I've heard mixed things about Michael Bay, but like, I think yeah, the problem is... we have is, not heard great things about Michael Bay. Yeah, Michael Bay. we haven't heard great things about him. I, I think the, the reason those two are often kind of tied together is that they have a similar filmography and that they have, like, some decent stuff, a lot of bad stuff. There's, like, this cult of love around a lot of their work, and I think a lot of times that cult of love is, like, drenched in toxic masculinity because there are problematic elements of toxic masculinity in both of their work. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think that's why they are often kind of like, you know, uttered in the same breath or considered of the same ilk. Um, and I think that criticism is both valid, but also I think sometimes dismisses some of the good stuff they're capable of doing. So you were probably going for a bit right there and I gave you like a real answer. <laughs> but No, I, I don't I don't remember the question anymore. Oh, no, 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 it wasn't a bit at all. No. OK, but yeah, I don't know. They're fine. Um, yeah, let, let us know what you guys think. What movie would you give Michael Bay or Zack Snyder? We'll, we'll open it up to both. Uh, let's let's keep it simple. Let's let, We already talked about Snyder too much in this okay. podcast. I, I'd say let's keep it simple. If you were to have Michael Bay swap movies with any director, what would you do? Yes. Yeah, I think yes. that is more fun. Yeah, I think it's a much more fun exercise. Love to hear people's uh, answers. And so if you do have suggestions uh, for that question from Cameron, uh, you can write to us at Tim Talk Pod, And we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Um, we do have a few small little notes from friends here. Um, one of which I already, I already mentioned, which was that, uh, James Strecker of the Watchtower database, uh, wrote to us to let us know that, uh, Carol Ferris is in fact 
Star Sapphire in the DCU. Apparently, it has been confirmed by Bruce Tim, um, and he Great. also sent us a link to a video that he did going through the entire history of the Green Lantern Corps in the DCAU. And I will uh, admit that I started watching it because I got it right before we started recording, but I did not finish it. So that is now my homework for this week. And Cameron, I'm going to send it to you as well, so it can be your homework. Uh, that we're going to go watch the Watchtower Databases video all about the Green Lantern history. So we now can finally actually know what we're talking about going forward. But that's that's not our that's not our brand, though, Chris. Yeah, but also sometimes it's good our to be knowledgeable. Our brand is knowing 60% of what's going on. No, I mean, this is true. That is very on-brand for us. But also we can change, Cameron. We can change and evolve and, you know, be better versions of ourselves. Better, Chris, more... we're, we're a sitcom here, all right? We return to the status quo. <laughs> We don't change. Every week. This isn't episodic. Right. Every week we come back to the, the, the same buffoons we always are. Um, so that was one thing. Um, and then the other one is, uh, so Cameron, this is where I now prompt you to go to our Instagram and open it up. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, the great Ted Kendrick, also of the Watchtower Database, has been doing uh, an Inktober challenge for himself uh, on his Instagram handle of artificial.ink.creative. Um, and for day 25, the prompt of Buddy, James Strecker was the guest artist. And so if you look at Aww. photos were tagged in, James made Superman carrying Batman around in a massive Batbjorn. <laughs> I love it. That is so good. I, I will put this up on our Instagram story. Um, this is one of the most delightful things I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> That is uh, absolutely amazing. I <laughs> applaud both of you. <laughs> My immediate thought when, when I saw this was of uh, Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. It was, you know, you did it. The son of a bitch did it. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> That's so good. Even even just like the 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 look of consternation on Batman's face as he's being carried around is what really it's makes like, the whole it's thing. It's just <laughs> ill-fitting enough. <laughs> <laughs> it it is truly one of the greatest things i've ever seen in my entire life so thank you guys for for doing that for sending it over to us yes it, thank you it, uh, it it didn't just make my day it made my weekend to be honest that was amazing <laughs> oh but uh, like I said, if you've got uh, thoughts on these episodes or some really amazing uh, goofy artwork to send us or, um, you know, uh, uh, a response to Cameron's question, you can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. You can find me at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, yeah. And if you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter. And if you want to see my face, you can find that at CamDexter underscore adventures. Yeah. Neither have been updated in months. I <clears throat> So you still haven't posted anything for Inktober, have you? Nope. I've done four drawings and I'm going to wait to post them until I finish my other project I'm working on. I mean, Cameron, as of the day of recording, you have like four days left in October or no, sorry, more than that. You have like six days left in October. Yes. You're running out of time. <laughs> I only have to get eight done to make myself happy. <laughs> okay, but you have to at least get them out during October. Because you, we both know if you don't get them out and it's November 1st, you're like, ah, oh, fuck it, Inktober's over. I'm not going to bother posting them. No, but it's, it's, for, it's, it's for the project I've been talking to you about. I don't want to share with the public yet. Oh, wait, so, so, you're, not gonna, so you're not going to post them at all this October? I, maybe. We'll see. We'll see how okay. I feel come October 31st. 
Uh, but we will be back next week uh, with Legends. Uh, a couple of great episodes and we'll have a special guest too, which will be very exciting. Um, but until then, thank you everyone for listening. We always appreciate it. Uh, and bye bye. Bye guys. Bye bye. Bye bye.